Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. It's time for the upswing on WTMJ, showcasing businesses, entrepreneurs, and community leaders throughout the great state of Wisconsin. Here's your host, Jeff Sherman. I'm gonna make this place Hello and welcome, week two of the Upswing here in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. I'm Jeff Sherman. These are simply conversations at the intersection of community, life, and business. Our guest today, Neil Willerson. He's president and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee. Neil's a nationally known nonprofit founder, corporate executive, public speaker, and an actor. We'll probably get into some of his acting roles. Maybe talk about what his son's doing in the acting space, too. We'll get to that conversation in a bit, and at 10.35, we'll have a Monday market look with Dave Spano, president of Annex Wealth Management and host of Money Talk. But first, how do you mentor and lead? The tone today is going to be all around mentorship. Who was a mentor in your life? I want to get you thinking on a Monday. You know, you can text in your thoughts. The WTMJ talk and text line is 855 616 20. Who was that inspirational figure in your life that just really sparked your career or made you want to kind of take a next step and really help somebody else out? And as I'll do on occasion on this show, I just have a friendly piece of advice, you know, something to put on your to-do list for a Monday. This week, I want you to take some time to write a letter to a mentor of yours. All right. It's really easy. Find a former boss Maybe you're a recruiter, someone that helped find a job for you, a teacher, a professor. Maybe you had a big brother or big sister in your life. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a biological big brother or big sister who has just been that guiding North Star for you. Write him or her. Maybe it's an aunt or uncle. You know, never forget the, you know, the family systems that we all have. But write a heartfelt thank you letter. Put it on your list. And make it happen. You don't have to like copy me or anything on it. I don't need to be a part of the process, but just make it real, make it authentic, and take the time to do it. All right. I want to continue to provide just a little bit more flavor of my background and, and help you to get to know me and kind of what I'm all about before we start talking to our guest. In my first job out of out of college, I worked for Milwaukee County Executive David F. Schultz. And if you live in the metro Milwaukee area or listen anywhere across the state of Wisconsin, Dave was a, a larger-than-life politician in more ways than one. Just a really big guy with a big heart. You know, at, at sometimes he, he tipped the scales at like over 400 pounds. He was, a, he was a big guy, but he had big ideas. He came from Milwaukee County Parks before he was elected Milwaukee County Executive. And my job was staff assistant to the Milwaukee County Executive, which basically meant Jeff do whatever anyone tells you and do it with a smile and go now. So one of my jobs, 5 a.m. morning swims with the county executive. I got I usually got a text or a call in the morning. The county executive will be here, meet him. I sat on the diving board. I had to come prepared with the news of the day and read to him. I read the headlines. I read, you know, whatever the top stories on radio were. And I got back from him 
the insight and the analysis and what was in his brain in terms of what the county had to do to pair their resources with what the business businesses needed. It was an amazing opportunity to get the thoughts of a skilled leader, someone who was 21 years old and really eager to dive into the business and political community. It was absolutely an incredible experience. I'm sure you've had somebody like that in your life, and you don't, when you're going through experiences like that, necessarily realize how impactful they are. But I thank former County Executive Dave Schultz. He passed away several years ago, but um, I thank him each and every day for all the knowledge he gave me as he was wading in the water and I was sitting on the diving board, just taking it in and learning from a wonderful individual. Mentorship, pushing people through the curtain, and leadership. We're all going to talk about it. Coming up next, Neil Willison from Big Brothers, Big Sisters in Metro Milwaukee. This is The Upswing. We're back. This is The Upswing, and I'm Jeff Sherman. Bit of a mentorship Monday on today's show. I, I saw this in the Harvard Business Review over the weekend that we all know that mentorships are essential to growing young professionals, right? The evidence is pretty clear. 75% of executives credit their success to mentors, and recent research shows that 90% of employees with a career mentor are happier at work. It's pretty simple stat-driven stuff. But finding mentorships and building relationships isn't always easy. You know, sometimes it's easier on the professional side and the college side, but finding that touch point at a younger age is where the real work starts. I've always thought that we had three desires, three desires of all people, to be connected, to be seen, and to be who we are. But as kids, we need that guidance to get to those points and to learn from others. So mentoring needs to start really early in grade school if we're going to touch on that right now with Big Brothers and Big Sisters CEO, Neil Willison. He, Neil, how are you? Welcome to the show. Good morning, brother. Week two for you. This Week is great. Two. Congratulations. Is great. Yes. So as I'm looking through all the wonderful things you do, and we're going to get into all that, but there's something earlier in your career at age 17, <laughs> and as we talk about mentorship and kind of getting outside yourself and doing things that scare you, you ran for public office at age 17, right? I retired from politics at 17 as well, but yeah, that is accurate. I ran for state assembly in Mequon at the time, which was very conservative. I ran as a, as a Democrat back then, and okay. uh, it, it was a fu fun little campaign. All right, so from where you sit right now, what would you tell your 17-year-old self about that election and what you could have done differently or what you could have learned knowing what you know now? I knew I was going to lose. At okay. that time, you just couldn't win as, as, a, as a young Democrat in Mequon. My mentor at the time, and you know, you don't think about it when, when you're that age. You don't really say, this is officially my mentor, unless you're in a program like Big Brothers, Big Sisters, right. but was a gentleman by the name of Ed Garvey. And Ed was running for U.S. Senate. And my sister and I were very involved in his campaign when we were 15, 16, 17. So he took strong interest in these young, energetic, passionate volunteers. And so I had the opportunity to travel around the state. And at the time, it seemed pretty cool. Here I am, a 15, 16-year-old kid traveling around with a U.S. Senate candidate. And now I realize that he really went out 
you know, he, he really did some things for us, which was really nice yeah. to take interest in a young person. And so I just put myself out there. And right. that's been my mantra. Whenever I meet with young people, young adults, and I'm mentoring them, I say, go for it. Right. Because you're 17, 18, 20 doesn't mean you don't have a good idea. Just go for it. If you have a, a passion in your belly, if you have something in your gut that you want to pursue, go go pursue it. And that was 1988, right? 1988. And I, re I retired shortly thereafter. <laughs> I wasn't old enough to even uh, distribute the nomination papers. Someone who was 18 had to do that with me. But the, the main thing that I learned from it is that hundreds of young people got involved. They registered to vote. They supported my campaign or that of, of my opponent, a wonderful man named Steve Lauks, who was 26. He was okay. the old man in the, in the race. Right. But Steve and I are, are friends on social media, wonderful guy. But it got young people involved. And so in all of the endeavors that, that I've been involved in, the common bond is that young people are able to volunteer. And so it's not just about, about the person that's receiving the gift. It's about the giver and changing their lives as well. Right. And I'm guessing you didn't have a playbook back then. Like it was it was a bit of baptism by fire. Hey, you're going to run a campaign. Dive in and make it happen. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. And, and I'm grateful. People step forward. They cross party aisles. People were really supportive overall. Even if they didn't agree with my politics at the time, they were supportive of a young person stepping forward and, and putting their hat in the ring. Okay. So I talked a little bit about my an early mentor of mine. Before we start talking about specific Big Brothers, Big Sisters initiatives, you have a big 50th anniversary coming up. A lot of other things, including a new downtown center that we want to talk about. But who was the mentor in your life that really has, has guided you? There's a few. So in, in high school, and, and they're both now deceased, but Mr. Morita and Mr. Holub. So I went to Homestead High School. Okay. And um, I was in sports a little bit, and then Mr. Holub cast me in a play my sophomore year, The Diary of Anne Frank, and it really changed my life. I got interested in acting. He saw something in me, and I'm deeply grateful. And then Mr. Morita was my trigonometry teacher. I don't remember anything about trigonometry. But I truly remember the life lessons that Mr. Morita taught us. He taught us about the Korean War. We, In truth, we would try to get him off the curriculum a little bit because we enjoyed hearing those stories. But he taught all of us our junior and senior year more about life and life lessons and how you treat people and morality and ethics than anything about math. And I had the opportunity um, at UWM years later. Uh, they had some community leaders get to honor their mentor. And while he was living, I, I had the real honor of, of getting to pay tribute to him. Nice, nice. Teachers always an important uh, guidance in our life for sure. It is 1021. We're going to go to a break and we'll be back with more with Neil Willison from Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee. We're back. This is The Upswing. We appreciate you being here on a Mentorship Monday on the show. We're here with Neil Willinson. Neil is the president and CEO of Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee. In May of last year, Neil succeeded Amy Chianchio, who had retired after nearly 15 years at the organization. Previously, Neil was the vice president of philanthropy and community impact at Kazmerican Enterprises and Capco, Inc., and in this role, he led grant making to nearly 1,000 nonprofit organizations since 2010 and coordinated large scale fundraising events on behalf of the organization. So, Neil, I want to talk a little bit about Camp Heartland. You were age 22 or so when you met a five year old boy? Yeah, I was a senior at UW Madison. I was studying radio, TV, film, and that was going okay. to be my life. I wanted to be an actor, I wanted to be a yeah. TV producer, but my life changed in the most profound way by simply reading a little newspaper headline in the Mequon Ozaki paper called the News Graphic. And it okay. said AIDS hysteria in Mequon 
Oriole Lane parents fear for their children's safety. Oriole Lane's a little elementary school, and it's not that Mequon was any worse or better than anyone in, in 1991. There was a lot of discrimination against those with, with HIV AIDS, and little Niall Wolf wanted to go to kindergarten, and uh, people were afraid because he was born with HIV, and I can tell you the happy ending. Uh, he's now 40 years old. Okay. Uh, wow. He's a pastor on the East Coast. He's married. He has uh, adopted a child, and life is going great for him, but along the way, uh, we started Camp Heartland to make life better for kids like Niall. Okay, great. And you still keep in touch? Oh, I do. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we're in touch with, uh, can't keep in touch with all 6,000 kids. <laughs> right, that okay. we, but uh, with, with with the original. With Niall, for sure, yes. and, and many of the young people that were with us from when we rented Camp Minicani our, our first summer in okay. 1993 to eventually, through the help of baseball great Paul Molitor, helped us purchase a camp in northern Minnesota, and that camp still operates today under the name One Heartland. Okay, great. And um, obviously, you're still involved with camp, with One Heartland. And then under the Capco umbrella, you also founded Camp Hometown Heroes, correct? Yeah. My 12 years at Capco were amazing. You know, Jim Kazmarek is a really decent guy, likes to help the community, wanted to help veterans. We brought him the idea of creating a safe place uh, for children of fallen U.S. military heroes. And this community has really embraced this effort. We welcome two, 300 kids a year. It's held at a, at a camp. Um, not too far from here, about an hour from here in, in okay. downtown Milwaukee. And it's just been an incredible mission. And then more recently was Camp Reunite, which was also uh, in, in part funded and supported by our friends at Capco and, and Hometown Heroes. That's a program that reunites children with an incarcerated parent. And they're emotional reunions, but important reunions. If we want to break that intergenerational cycle of crime, reuniting these families and, and giving these moms and dads something to look forward to when they get out is, is really important. Mm-hmm. And what, what are a few success stories that have come out of Camp Hometown Heroes in terms of, you know, just the energy that a young kid comes in, obviously sad and kind of heartbroken. Have you had any of those impactful stories? Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, one is one is my dear friend, Chloe, who is now the grief counselor at the camp, but started as a camper uh, 12 years ago and, and is now getting a master's degree and hmm. is credentialed in grief counseling. She's relatable. The kids can definitely understand her and she can understand what, what they're going through. There's been a lot of success stories like that. But if you, if you just think about military children, a lot of them move off of the base after mom or dad has died. They lose their church. They lose their friends. They lose their parent all at once. And Camp Hometown Heroes is a supportive community where they can talk openly, maybe for the first time, about the grief that they're experiencing. So it's a process, but the kids have a lot of resilience, and the camp is really all about helping them wherever they're at in that in that journey of grief. Right. So founding two, essentially two separate nonprofits, you know, sets you on the path to where you are with Big Brothers Big Sisters. Now, you know, what do you what do you learn as a CEO and nonprofit executive starting something from the ground up? You're pretty much. I always use the analogy. Nonprofit leaders are. You're kind of like a pastor, right? You are chief marketing director, you are CEO, you are CFO, and you're doing it all. What What did you learn kind of birthing two camps, and how has that helped you? It's a great question. I don't today? live with regret, but I, I guess there is <laughs> things that I would do. There are things I would do differently if I could go back and, and lead Camp Heartland again. We had kids. The context was that kids, no embellishment, Jeff, were dying before our eyes. We, we lost about 150 kids. So imagine being a camp counselor. You get very close to the children. And when you when you say goodbye, you don't really know at an HIV camp back in the day if you were going to see them again. So we worked with such urgency and passion that there wasn't a waiting list because even if we didn't have the money, we took them off the waiting list. We served any child that needed that needed support. And, uh, you know, so I learned to to 
really move with passion, but now as, an, as, as a more seasoned leader, I move at a little slower pace with some financial accountability in mind. That's good. That's good. You appreciate it all, and you're able to kind of trust the process along the way, but use what you've, you've learned to, to make big things happen. And that's what you're doing at Big Brothers Big Sisters. We want to talk about an upcoming anniversary. We want to talk about the new space that's just off of of Cathedral Square in downtown Milwaukee. And I'm guessing that you need more mentors. So we want to talk how you get involved and how you get the corporate community in greater Wisconsin to plug in and get involved each and every day. That's money. Money, money, And we're back. This is The Upswing. I'm not exactly sure how mentorship impacts the financial markets day-to-day, but I'm sure Dave Spano, president of Annex Wealth Management and host of Money Talk, does. Dave? Yes, sir. How are you? I'm Welcome wonderful. Aboard and glad to have me and uh, look forward to uh, having a, a nice a nice time here today. You know, if we're talking about mentorship, uh, you know, there's, there's lots that goes into that, Jeff. And, you know, I have to tell you, I think a lot of people have been affected Probably by their parents, right? And you right. think about you know hardworking and and what if that was instilled in you as a young person? And I think there's no question. My dad worked at a foundry. He worked at Alice Chambers for 44 years, and okay. you know every day he worked. He got up and worked hard, Jeff. And so I think that's a good start. And then from there, I was educated by Jesuits, and that's to be a man for others. And so I think those two pieces uh, really put you in the right spot. You know, work hard. Don't don't shy away from it. Lean into it and be a man for others or person for others, I, I should say. And that really is, is really a good basis. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, for sure. Family is important and uh, teachers along the way are always instrumental in our lives. So it's a it's a week where economic data returns to the center stage, right, Dave? Yeah, for sure. You know, what we're going to see this week is there's this thing called PCE, and I know the financial business gives you all these crazy numbers, CPI, PPI, PCE. They're inflation indicators, and this particular one is the one that the Fed likes. It's their preferred measure. And it's expected to have a pop in January. In other words, it's supposed to go up. And that's really what the Fed is trying to to, to get some of the inflation out of the system because it certainly hurts so many people. And so right now, we think that they're going to show an, an increase in inflation numbers. And that most assuredly will mean that the Fed will not likely cut in in March and probably kick that off into June. But they're going to try to continue to take some of the slack out of the economy and in some of this acceleration. And that's going to, we're going to see that, Jeff. And, and mm-hmm. so look for the Fed to not raise rates here in March, okay. but more often into uh, into June. And, and that's going to be an important indicator. Okay. Oh, I, did you lose phone service last week, Dave? I did. I happened to be in in Southwest Florida. We have an office down there, and uh, you know, I was freaking out because I, I'm on my phone all the time, right, and trying to get internet services. But uh, it was interesting. If, you know, there's all of these things. Was it a solar flare? What was it? Uh, and it turns out that AT and T at least said uh, it was a programming error. But uh, we'll see if that is actually it. I don't know how AT and T's programming error went across different cell coverages, but uh, I did, and for just yeah. for a minute. But we were well, back up. So how does AT and T said this morning that they're offering a $5 credit for all customers. You know, how does that impact their performance? You know, what, are the, what are the talks of, of that type of rebate behind the scenes? 
Yeah, I think yeah, you know, you'd have to look at you know what does that really mean? You take five dollars, and who's actually going to go get the five dollars? I mean, a lot of people are going to go big deal, right? Right. Uh, it, it maybe not follow through on that, but uh, I mean, obviously they look at that and say, is it going to be a hit to their income statement? And by the way, no matter who it is, you know, we talk about uh, you know Nvidia or whomever it is. If a company sells widgets, and you know this from your your time in the business world, right? If a company sells widgets, whatever it is that they sell, and they can sell more of those things. And those translate into more profit or net income. We can then look at that and say, you know, what's the valuation based on that, based on interest rates, based on the multiple the market will want to give. So no matter what it is, and that's just in a publicly traded market, but in the private market and some of these people that you mentor, did you sell more stuff? Did you get more net income? Whatever it is. And, you know, a lot of your guests that came back that were on last week talked about, you know, how they raised money to do whatever event it was. That is really what it's all about. That's the mother's milk into these things. So how do we get sell more stuff? And that's what we're going to have to look at with AT. T&T, what did it do to their income statement? Is it going to hurt? And you know, can we put a multiple on that? All right. Well, I appreciate your time, Dave. I look forward to these Monday updates each, each and every Monday. And uh, enjoy the rest of the week. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good show. Okay. Very good. All right. We'll come back after the break with more on Big Brothers and Big Sisters with Neil Willinson. And we're going to talk about their exciting new downtown location and how you can get involved. This is The Upswing, and I'm Jeff Sherman. Welcome back to The Upswing. I'm Jeff Sherman. We're back with the president and CEO of Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Metro Milwaukee, Neil Willinson. Neil, so you have, I want to have you kind of give the whole Big Brothers, Big Sisters story and, you know, that from your lens. But you have a new, what was called the Activity Center for a while, but you have a new name now. I want to have you talk a little bit about the mentorship zone that will open soon. That's breaking news. Milwaukee. You're That's the first. Right. Wow. The staff doesn't even know the name. No, <laughs> as of Friday, uh, we're going to open up something that even on a national scale at Big Brothers and Sisters, there's 235 affiliates, and we're one of the largest. We're about number 15 in, in size. Last year, we served 1,500 children and teenagers facing adversity in Waukesha and Milwaukee counties. Okay. This year, we hope for 1,700, yet 570 kids are on the waiting list. And that waiting list is growing. And now it's a sign of success because when we do chats like this, more guardians are going to call and say, hey, we need right. our, our child to have a mentor. What we want to do is have the, the amount of time on the waiting list be significantly shorter, a couple of years or less. So if you sign up your child by six or seven, we want that child to have a mentor within the next couple of years. But in lieu of that, until that happens, we're opening up what we're calling mentor zone. And it's in the lower level of our building right off of Cathedral Square, a okay. really nice space. It was an old nightclub, and it won't uh, look like a nightclub okay. when we're done with it. And through the support of many donors, current donors and, and prospective donors, we're brightening it, we're painting it, we're adding some fun elements, and it's going to be a place for mentorship after school. Hmm. So our existing matches, we have hundreds of adults in the community that every week take a child out for a fun outing. They can now come to Mentor Zone and do games and, and, and homework and and STEM projects, but then for the children on the waiting list, we're going to have some group facilitated activities. So we're really excited for the launch of Mentor Zone in just a few months. Wow, that's great! And to have something like that in the heart of the downtown neighborhood really says a lot about the kind of the commitment of corporations to the organization and just that 
downtown is everyone's neighborhood, right? It is. And, and corporates, corporations and foundations and individuals in this community, thousands of them support us. If, if you name a company, we have mentors from that company, yet we need far more. So one of the action steps, if you're listening, is you don't need to be perfect. You just need to be a good, safe, nurturing human being who has a couple hours a week or even a couple hours a month to mentor. And you can be in touch with us at, at bbbsmilwaukee.org to learn about how you or your company can get involved in these efforts. And so how, how large will the space be and like how many kids can you accommodate there? Yeah, it's, it's, this is sort of, uh, you, you know, a work in progress, yeah, but it's okay. 3,500 square feet. Okay. So it's a nice little club space, and we have an Eagle Scout that's going to build us a re- reading nook. We're going nice. to uh, appeal to some of our corporate partners to build some STEM labs there. There's, you, you know, an old bar counter that we're going to use for refreshments. There's a stage, and we're, we're talking about maybe having a, a Big Brothers Big Sister choir or some performance nights. It's all about giving kids an opportunity and, and really through the efforts of mentorship. So it's not about basketball and sports. It's about after school, passing on information from one generation to the next. And that's what mentorship's all about. So that's what Mentor Zone is all about. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on Mentor Zone. Do you have a opening day? We're thinking like, uh, late April or May. April. Okay. Yeah, that's Very the good. goal. Okay. So you have definitely this gap to fill in terms of mentors and mentees. You know, people are busy. There's a lot on everyone's plates. Like, how? What's what's that pitch to an executive or an individual? Right. Like, hey, plug into this program, but it's not going to overtake your life. Like, I'm sure there's right. a bit of a fear on the mentor side. Like, I just don't have time. Well, first, the the pitch is that these young people will remember you when they're adults. We had a, a, a gentleman and a very talented executive from Rock, Rockwell, John Miller, speak at our gala this year. And it was a highlight of the gala. He was a little in the program. And now decades later, he's a successful man. And he really attributes part of that to his big. So what I tell people is this gives you an opportunity to make a profound transformative impact, lifelong impact for a young person. But the commitment can be as as much as a few hours a week if you're in our community-based program where you take a child out throughout the community every week. Or if you're in a school-based program, you visit the child at the school, you do homework, you might have lunch with them, you might hang out at recess, you might hang out with other other matches, and that might be an hour a week during the school year. And then our Mentor 2.0 program is about job readiness and, and career readiness and college readiness. It's a couple of hours a month, so it's less than what you would imagine. There's a program for anyone that has something to give. Very good. All right, we're going to head to a final break. We'll be back with more with Neil Willinson. On the bottom of his emails, he has Chief Encouragement Officer. I need to ask him about that. We'll talk about his favorite business book, maybe a little bit about the Giannis documentary, and more. This is The Upswing. Welcome back to The Upswing, the Monday edition. On the bottom of Neil Willinson's emails, Neil, as we've been putting this show together, you have Chief Encouragement Officer. If there's one individual that I need a little bit more encouragement and I want him back on the court very soon, it's Chris Middleton from our Milwaukee Bucks. For sure. And he has a relationship with Big Brothers Big Sisters, right? He's just a wonderful man, and he does so much to help this community. He doesn't advertise it a lot, but he's been an ambassador for us since at least 2019. He runs clinics for our kids. Okay. He does father-son events right on the court of, of Pfizer Forum. He had a movie night for us where we had about 130, 140 of our participants there. He's just a tremendous guy, and we're honored to call him a friend. 
Very good. All right. Uh, so I mentioned before the break that uh, family and I, we watched the the new Giannis documentary on Amazon over the weekend and just truly inspirational in, in so many ways. You, um, I know you said it's, it's on your list, so you're going to put that on your to-do to watch it. But you have a media company that you started, and I believe it was Power of Humans when it was first founded. We talked years ago about it. We did, it. yeah. And now it's called... Crowded Table Stories. Yeah, tell us all about that. I mean, both endeavors really had the goal of sharing some good news. You know, there's good things about social media, but there's some very harmful things about social media. And right, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's more harmful than not. Um, but I wanted to be part of the solution. And, and my friend, Teresa Samarco, and I, we, we founded this effort called Crowded Table Stories, which simply, it's not a political site. It has no agenda. It's simply allowing people to, to tell their stories. So we're on YouTube. We're on all the social media channels. And we give people an opportunity, a minute or two, to answer a question about what inspires you, what brings you joy, what's an obstacle you had to overcome. And now we're looking at some TV pilots and some exciting things ahead for Crowded Table Stories. So we encourage people to check it out. And anyone is a storyteller. We all have a story, and people can reach out to us if they want to. Uh, have us interview nice. them, and we even have little children as young as eight years old okay. serve as our interviewers. And do you take submissions via video, we do. or is it absolutely? Like, some okay. people submit, some people we go and interview them, and uh, we're working with Gathering on the Green and a lot of the community organizations to to get more content. And you'll see us out in the community hopefully this summer more often. Okay, all right, that that's great. All right, Crowded Table Stories, put it on the list, and make sure that you plug in there. So I, I want you to remind everyone. You know, we talked a little bit about the. Kind of the gap in, in mentorship. Uh, is there, do you work directly with corporations in the area to get their entire teams involved? Like, what does that process look like? Because of youth protection, you'd imagine there's a lot of vetting involved, a lot exactly. of screening involved. Right. So it's not that, you know, we can just take anyone off the street or go to a company and say, hey, tomorrow you can start mentoring. We have to go through quite a process. Okay. With that said, we work with a lot of employee resource groups and business resource groups, young professional organizations, corporations, large and small, church groups, you name it, and they refer their staff to us or their their, their members to us. And, and we have a recruitment team uh, of okay. a mighty two or three people, and they okay. literally are somewhere every day recruiting because we need hundreds of people every single year because of attrition and some of the, the matches age out. Some of the kids are now in college and, and they're no longer officially part of the program. So with this waiting list of 570, this recruiting team is very busy, always looking for new companies that will allow us to speak to their employees, hang out at lunch hour at, at a table. Okay. We were just at the Wisconsin Athletic Clubs around nice. the region. Okay, uh, Anton, one of our top recruiters, was there several times in the last month. And if he gets one person to sign up, that's one child off the waiting list. So corporate leaders, organizations, community leaders can reach out to us, and, and we'd love to partner with you. Okay, very good. So a final piece of inspiration. If I'm – I need to – I need to sign up. All right. What does that look like day one when I make the call or send the email? What is that process yeah, for a it, single individual? It's not a hard process. I mean, there's obviously screening involved. You contact our office or go to bbbsmilwaukee.org. The, the process is laid out very clearly there, including the timetable. There's things you have to do in terms of background checks and some reference checks. Again, you don't need to be a perfect human being. You need to be a caring person that's going to be a good role model for children and the process can take a couple of months, and we're there every step of the way. And then we don't just abandon you once you're matched with a child. You have a match specialist that's there every step of the way, calling you every month. We have reach programs every single week on average. We're organizing an activity that our matches can attend. So we make it easy for the matches as well. All right. Very good. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. 
I am going to get on the list. I need to get more involved. And this is an encouraging moment f- for all of us.